With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio, coming to you today from Greensboro, North Carolina. I'll tell you why I'm here later on the show. Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything, so we know how to cover almost anything when it's game time. Have an experienced player help you stay out of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Hey, if you were listening top of the hour, you may have heard Deb Carson say that Tiger Woods is six over. Six over. And I will grant you that is that pales in comparison to Rory McElroy, who allegedly grew up just down the street and shot some course record 61 when he was a wee little lad of 16 years old. 
and now he's 30 years old and he can't break par. How'd I do? Anyway, the reality of Tiger Woods is the reality of anyone who is our age, right? That's the, there's a, there's a Toby Keith song, which is a good one. And it goes a little something like this, right? So you get the idea. Tiger Woods was good. It was, he's not as good as he once was, but he's as good as once. He's as good once as he ever was the masters. And while he continues to say, Hey, my game isn't where I want it to be. You think? And the masters took a lot out of me. You think the truth is this is what happens with age. And I will grant you that uh, Roger Federer, for example, nearly won Wimbledon, spite of the fact that it went essentially to six sets, right? Because the tiebreak was in the 12th game of the fifth set. Six sets at 38, at 37 years old. But part of it is Roger Federer had to shut it down for other parts of the season. Why? Because he's as good once as he ever was. But he ain't as good as he... Used to be. Jason McIntyre, um, who, of course, sometimes is a guest on this show, has his own show on weekends. I got into a Twitter spat with him on Saturday. He's pointing out Serena Williams recently has been terrible in major finals. That's because that's when age catches up to you. It's not that you can't do it for one match on your favorite surface. It's that you can't do it consistently at your age. Sometimes you just don't have it. You just don't. It's the thing that, frankly, Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and their steroid use robbed us of, which is the very normal regression of any sort of athlete. It doesn't mean that Barry Bonds would have hit zero home runs in his mid to late 30s or that Roger Clemens would have gotten zero strikeouts, but they would have had moments of greatness And yet they would have struggled to be consistent. It's the reason that you can expect LeBron James to play fewer games if he has any intention of having anything left in the tank for the postseason next year. Like, this is just the reality. The reality of Tiger Woods 3 or 4 or 5, whatever point oh this actually is. You get into your 40s and you're playing against dudes in their 20s and their 30s in addition to the fact that he's had so many surgeries. And then, you know, golf is one of these games where you just get going bad and it snowballs on you. Very reasonable. But how can a guy look so good and give himself every opportunity to win the Masters, come from behind and finally do it and look so bad in the first round? Part of it is it's golf. Part of it is his game wasn't right. Part of it is, of course, they hadn't played on since 1951 in a major. And you don't have a great feel for how it's going to react when the weather, when the wind changes. Part of it is just a bad day. But most of it is just not as good once. He can be as good once as he ever was. But he ain't as good as he used to be. I mean, I understand that we're all sitting here. And we're reacting to Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl, right? And while reacting to that last great throw he had to Rob Gronkowski and the last great drive he had in overtime against the Kansas City Chiefs. But we do remember he threw two and it should have been three interceptions against the Chiefs, right? 
we do remember that they couldn't score against the Rams, correct? We do remember some of the disastrous performances down the stretch from Tom Brady. The same is true of Drew Brees. Drew Brees is living so much on reputation and their early season success. He was bad against the, uh, the, the, the Rams in the NFC Championship game. Yes, it was a blown pass interference call. But that ball was supposed to be thrown to the outside, not the inside. The defensive back looks up. He takes it to the house. It was Drew Brees who threw the ball at the feet of his wide receiver on first down, causing the clock to stop. That was Drew Brees. And by the way, it was Drew Brees who got the football back in overtime and they couldn't score before the Rams marched down and won the game. Once you get past your prime as an athlete, it's not that you can't do it anymore. It's that you can't do it consistently anymore. And whether it's the mean or the median or the average or the mode or whatever is in the middle, that, of course, the average, the median, the mean, the mode, those have all moved kind of downward on the scale. While you'll still have your spikes, you'll still have your great moments, those will be the exception, not the rule. That's normal. Then you factor in win Wind, not playing well, multiple surgeries, um, just not being sharp and playing in a difficult place, difficult venue, and not having a ton of course knowledge, the ability to, you know, having, like at the Masters, when you've played there for 30 years, you can draw on, oh, okay, I know how, what, what holes I can get back in it, how I can cheat, how I can just get by, how I can just get a par and survive a bad round. You can't do that when you haven't played a place. No, I am not selling my Tiger Woods stock because I'm reasonable about what my expectations are for the return on my Tiger investment at this point in his career. I don't expect him to contend at four majors. That's Brooks Kepka stuff because Brooks Kepka's in his prime. I expect Tiger to always be in the hunt at the Masters and probably one other major a year give himself a shot. I mean, you see this with with NBA players, and this is the problem. Um, uh, th- this is the problem with with Allen Iverson, with Carmelo Anthony, with the stars that used to get the ball all the time, used to get a consistency of shots all the time. If you go back to when Dwayne Wade's Miami Heat won an NBA championship, Shaq was on that team. Shaq only played well in one of those finals games. They beat the Mavericks, I believe, in six games, and he only played well in one game. And Shaq was among the most dominant players in the history of the NBA, but he was past his prime. And the reason that you move star players to the bench like an Andre Iguodala, for example, used to be a star player was in Philadelphia, is you try and have them play against inferior opponents when they check in, and then you leave them in if they're having a good night, and if they're not, you sit them. It's what happens in Major League Baseball. You know, for Clayton Kershaw, the seventh inning and past 100 pitches used to be his limit, and now it shrinks. And now he's not the number one starter. 
And now he has to really be a pitcher because instead of throwing mid to high 90s, he's throwing low 90s to 80s and he has to find a way to nibble on the corners. And there'll be nights in which he's eminently and completely hittable. It doesn't take away from the fact that Clayton Kershaw went through almost a decade of complete dominance before he, like so many before him, aged. We are human beings. And as much as we try and fight it with M-Drive and working out and taking care of ourselves and getting face peels if you're a woman and the TB12 method. You may slow the aging process, but it's real. It happens. You're not as good as you used to be, but you could be as good once as you ever were. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon. Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Danny Cannell has to show up all the time for his uh, his show with Raja Bell on the bench. He joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What type of front office guy do you think Peyton Manning would be? I think he would be exceptional. I really do. Because I think the reason he has stayed out of the game is because he's very selective. I think he's very smart. And I think he knows what it takes and the type of grind that it would be. And I don't picture Peyton Manning having that kind of need for attention like Magic Johnson has. I I picture Peyton Manning wanting to get back in to fulfill a competitive desire to win a championship. And I think, you know, if you follow his career – the attention to detail, uh, the work ethic, all those things would carry over. Similarly to John Elway, and I think it's, that's one of the things Peyton has in his corner is he can rely and ask John Elway, who he won a Super Bowl with, and that was his GM, that he could ask him, hey, what's it like? What's this process like? And he's seen it firsthand. And Elway, you know, you can criticize him for missing on some quarterbacks. He did win the championship, but he's a grinder. He's, you know, he's not one of those guys that just sat back and said, oh, I'm a former player. This is going to be easy. He took the really the long road and has grind, grinded it out as a uh, executive there in Denver. Uh, let's get to the, a couple of current NFL things. Melvin Gordon's a good running back on an outstanding team. They were tied for the best record in the AFC. He's in the fifth year of his rookie contract, which means his, his pay does spike to $5.5 million or so. Uh, I've been told he's offered a long-term deal. It's, he thought he, he, he had people close to him say it was... He was disrespected by the amount. Now he's come out and said he expects to sit through training camp. What do you think Melvin Gordon's true worth is, true value is? Man, I tell you what, Doug, I would hate to be a running back right now, right? I mean, it's just such a thankless position. And the assumption is that you can just fill it with somebody else. And you know what? The assumption oftentimes is is right. (laughs) That's the sad part about this. The position that should be paid the most is the third lowest in the NFL as far as position payment. If you went by the payment of what positions get paid, it's atrocious. For Melvin Gordon, I think he deserves to be paid like a top five running back. Um, You know, if you look statistics, if you went analytics, looked up some of the numbers, the problem is I don't put him in the category of Ezekiel Elliott or Saquon Barkley or, um, you know, even a Le'Veon Dartod Gurley in his prime a couple years ago. Um, So I just... 
I think there's a fair number that's in there somewhere. But if I am an owner or a GM and I am negotiating with a running back, I am imploring them, please don't make, don't, don't force me to make a really tough decision. Don't hold out to be one of the highest paid backs because if push comes to shove, I'm going to move on. And it's sort of, you have to stand your ground, but most teams with that position will hold their ground every single time, just like the Steelers did with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I mean, look, if you look in the NFC last year, if you want to tell me he's better than Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry and Philip Lindsay, you know, like, okay. Like, I like Melvin Gordon. I think he's a good player. And they were 4-0 without him, but they do desperately want him back. I actually think they offered him more than they wanted to. I, I was told it was in the $10 million a year uh, kind of variety. He wants to be in the $13 million a year variety. And I just don't think that's going to happen. In addition to the fact that he has to play at least six games. He's, he's playing for a former running back and a former running back's coach in his head coach, Anthony Lynn. It, it feels like he's got a great situation that he's going to search for every, other do- every possible dollar and it's not going to be there. And I think that's a massive mistake that running backs are making. You know, that $13 million range puts you at Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, and Todd Gurley. Those are the three highest paid uh, running backs by yearly salary. Um, But here's the dynamic. And this is something where I don't know if there's a solution other than if you're a young kid and you're in high school or college and you were a running back who had any type of versatility, I would be imploring you, hey, try to play another position if you want, you know, to make any sort of significant money in the NFL. Um, if you, if I had any question I would ask, you know, if I said, Hey Doug, you know, if you were asking me, what would you do with these running backs? I would look at Bill Belichick and say, do you think there's any chance Bill Belichick would pay a running back the type of money some of these teams are? And the answer is, of course not. He's not going to do that. And any good team would not do that because yes, you might not be able to find another Ezekiel Elliott, might not be able to find a top, you know, a top three running back. But you can get somebody that can give you 70% of that position and, and for a tenth of the cost. You, know, you can draft somebody in the third or fourth round. You can find a Kareem Hunt. You can find somebody that can be serviceable, a James Conner, uh, like the Steelers did. And there will be a little bit drop-off, but no one's going to notice because of the, the position you're playing. So it's a really rough dynamic that's going on right now with running backs in the NFL. It is not a good time to play that position. Okay, and what it's about hardest, it? It's the most physical position in the game, too. I, on the offensive side of the ball, their collision, they have the most collisions of any position, and that includes offensive line, uh, because of the running start that they're going to get. You know, linebacker and running backs take the biggest beatings on the field. Linebackers get paid pretty handsomely. Running backs have just been totally devalued. And it's, it's not fair, but I see it from a perspective of the owners saying, or the front offices saying, well, I don't have to pay you this much because I can find somebody else who will do it cheaper. cheaper. Well, I, I would also point out that, yes, linebackers can be paid handsomely, but they're also, uh, th- there's a certain class of linebackers which are extinct as well, right? The, the, the first and second down linebackers that don't run that are hitters. Those guys, yep. you got to be able to run to play the position. You're essentially a safety now, right? The difference between safety and linebacker is not 10 pounds or so, um, more so than kind of it, it, it used to be. All right, what about Ezekiel Elliott? I, I think you would contend, and I, I tend to agree with you, if he's not the best back in the league, you put Saquon Barkley right there in the discussion with a couple other people. But I'll, I'll be, I'm totally fine if you go, hey, he's the best back in the league. He has two more years left under his rookie contract. Then they have franchise tags they can throw at him, and they want to 
redo Dak's deal. They have other deals they got to work through. What are your thoughts on Zeke? To this point, not holding out, or but leaking out that he might hold out. What's your opinion of what he's saying? So again, and I totally agree with you. Top, you know, top running back, top two running backs. You can argue some of the semantics there, but he's one of the best in the game. There's no argument there. Um, if you're Jerry Jones, I think you have some leverage because of his off the field issues. Um, you know, whether it was the suspension that he had last year, whether it was this off season when he had his incident in Las Vegas, and it was a dumb incident. It wasn't that big of a deal, but it's yet another issue that you're right that's cropping up with Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe if you're Jerry Jones, you say, look, I would love to pay you, but I, can't, I don't know if I can trust you. You've got to show me one more year that I can trust you, that you can stay out of trouble. Maybe you can use that as some sort of leverage and talk him back into it. Um, do you try to approach him and say, you know, uh, give him the, hey, we want to win. Can you not hold out for everything? Can we give you something fair? But we don't want to give you that type of Todd Gurley contract that's going to set records and going to hold us back and be able to keep some of the pieces that we need to win. But the thing is, I do think Zeke has some leverage on his own because the NFL is trending a certain direction, and it's passing game, it's aerial attacks, it's, you know, you're, you're having running backs who catch the ball a lot out of the backfield. The Cowboys are old school. They want to run the football. They are a run-first, play-action pass. You know, we can do some things with Dak Prescott, but he's not going to be a guy who's going to line up like Patrick Mahomes does with four and five wides and light it up. So Zeke knows his importance to that offense which is why I think this could get a little bit hairy. But ultimately, I don't think it gets contentious this season, but next offseason, watch out, because that's when Zeke could make his demands and the Cowboys could have to cough it up or make a really tough decision whether to move on from him or not. Uh, Let's get to college football as there are uh, are media days taking place. Big 12's already, already gone, SEC's ongoing, and the Big 10 media days have just kind of begun. I like the idea of Michigan now having an opportunity. I can't wait to see some of these other programs. But, man, it feels like a foregone conclusion. We're going to see Bama and Clemson play for it all. Tell me I'm wrong. No. You're, the, bad, the unfortunate thing is that you're right, uh, and everybody agrees with you, um, myself included, because Clemson and Bama, they're playing with different talent. I mean, that's basically college football, much like college basketball, it's a talent acquisition business, right? You know, Nick Saban is an outstanding coach. Dabo Sweeney is an outstanding coach, but they are even better recruiters. They're even better at amassing talent. And then when you can develop that talent the way they do, then you've got these dynasties, the way they form. There are some other teams that are approaching their level. George is a pretty good example um, of getting in that atmosphere. But as much talk as I hear of, hey, Georgia's right there with Bama because they've been up in the first half of the last couple times they've faced, They've been outscored in the second half of those games, 47 to 17. It's just Bama is in another class, even within their own conference. And I think it's a big problem, Doug, for college football, similar to what it was in the NBA, right? The NBA, the last five, six years, remember when there was the Golden State Warriors and the Cavs? They were playing every year in the finals. Everybody knew they were going to square off in the finals. And it really diminished the regular season because now people started watch, stopped watching because it doesn't matter. Um, it feels the same way now with Bama Clemson every single year. I, I mean, I'm sure you've been in this position before. Last season was awful for college football in the regular season. I would come in to do the radio show on Monday, similar to what you go through. You meet with your producers, you're going over topic ideas, and you're probably reacting to 
a Patrick Mahomes six-touchdown performance, uh, Ben Roethlisberger versus the Broncos, like all these really exciting, compelling playoff implication games. And then you're like, all right, do we have any college football that we need to discuss? And you're like, Bama crushed some opponent. Clemson crushed their opponent. Anything else happen? No? All right. Well, we don't need to hash that out, so let's just skip it. And the regular season has become really washed out and boring in college football. And, you know, NBA had its solution by breaking up the Warriors, and you're starting to see some movement. All of a sudden, the NBA season this coming looks awesome. I don't know what the end is, the end game is for college football. Maybe it's just the cycle will run its course, and, you know, maybe Tua or Trevor, I don't know if they get hurt or, you know, they underperform, but... It sure looks for the foreseeable future. Nothing is going to change. It's going to be Clemson and Bama for a long time. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, like, look, you and I, we remember it. We remember it a little bit more intricately. Clemson did survive what Texas A&M and late in the year, of course, in the SEC championship game. Alabama survived uh, uh, Georgia. Um, but but, but you're, you're, you're generally right. I would say when these two quarterbacks run their course, right, the, the idea that they'll find a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. But this is what happens when you get – they've been playing – Clemson has been great. Uh, until they got Deshaun Watson, though, they couldn't get over the hump. Now they have another yep. pro quarterback. They're nearly unbeatable. And the same is true with Alabama, who's been playing with good, solid – quarterbacks now you got a, a true stud true star and it takes them until he got injured last year takes them to another level so i i i do think it's tough. what about harbaugh considering urban's gone how big a year do you think this is for harbaugh oh it's massive and i don't know if you saw the shot he took at uh urban meyer today that uh, at big 10 media days he was asked about urban meyer and of course you know he can't resist he had to have the backhanded slap saying hey he's had a lot of success but controversy followed him uh, I wish Harbaugh would have said that when Urban Meyer was still the coach at Ohio State. And I would ask, but like Harbaugh, for instance, he hasn't beat Ohio State yet. Like that's the barometer if you're the head coach of Michigan is, hey, you have to win your rival. Uh, and they got smoked last year uh, when they went on the road to Columbus. I think Michigan is primed. They get Shea Patterson another season. They're bringing in a new offense, which looks like it'll cater more to his skill set. It'll be more up to the 2019-looking college football systems that we're seeing run across the country. So I do, and you know, he's got more and more recruiting classes. He's been able to develop that talent. Um, but if he comes up short again, I don't, you know, hot seat's probably not the right word to use for Harbaugh. He's a Michigan man. We know what the, that university thinks of their alum, uh, alumni base. I do, if he doesn't at least get to the Big Ten title game, and I mean, shoot, even if he does there, the, the, you know, the, the other side of that conference, he should be favored in that game. If he doesn't win the Big Ten, I think you're going to hear some rumblings and that, that hot seat would start to ramp up a little bit. But I think this is a massively critical year for Jim Harbaugh where he has to start delivering on some of the hype. And it has been a knock because he brought in a ton of hype. He you know, threw a lot of gasoline on the hype by some of the comments he makes and you know, just the quirkiness and calling out other teams and being pretty brash and confident where it's time to deliver on it. And I think he does do it this year, but if he doesn't, you better watch out because that's going to start to be a pressure cooker for him in Michigan. It, it, it would be fascinating. And then you have Urban, who's working for us at Fox, be right down the yep. street from USC, and Clay Helton's very much under duress. On the other hand, like this is the second time in which his health has stopped his, his has stopped his career at a school, a school in which he's won a national championship. 
there is controversy that has followed him. And you got USC who continues to pay out hundreds of millions of dollars in these lawsuits, which have nothing to do with sports. Likelihood Urban Myers on the USC sideline a year from now? I would probably put it at 25%. You know, I mean, you have to have the kind of the perfect storm developing, but you can already like, you know, when you have the hurricane warnings, you see the cone and it looks like it's tracking towards a certain direction. You can kind of see that tracking taking place where, I mean, even I think it's a great hire by Fox to bring him in. You guys are going to, he's going to do a great job. Um, but he is right there in the backyard. It is him keeping his face out there in the media. He can say everything he wants to about his family and him needing health and time off. But once you start feeling better, which is going to happen with him being a year out of the game, um, and maybe it's not even this year. Maybe, maybe, maybe Clay Helton survives this year. But that is always going to be something that pulls and tugs at him because he's a football coach. It's in his blood. I mean, I sat next to Mac Brown in Bristol for several years. And you can just see there's, there's a void that's not fulfilled from some of these guys that are lifelong football coaches. That's why I would, you know, if I was a betting man, I would absolutely take the side that Urban Meyer's back in college football. And man, would that be enticing for him to be at US, USC? Because he's, he, he's taking over programs that, you know, are perfect opportunities. You can recruit, you're going to be the premier program in your conference. And if you win your conference, you're going to have a chance to play for titles. It's a really enticing option. And I would, even if I was even advising him, I would encourage him to take it. So I think it's, you know, maybe I'm even talking myself into 25% to maybe 35% because I think it makes so much sense for everybody. How far away are your Knowles? I mean, I, that it was Oof. a, I mean, it was a bad year. I felt like Willie Taggart was in his offense. They were just in over there trying to find themselves in over their head. Um, but the schedule is, in spite you know, like they got to go to Florida, they got to go to Clemson, but it's easier. You know, you don't have out of the gate somebody who can smash you. I don't think Boise State can smash them. How far away are they from being Florida State? Oh, man, Doug. I don't like this because I don't see it happening this year, obviously. I mean, you don't just turn around things that fast. Um, that Boise game is so monumental for Willie Taggart to get off the right foot. I am a little nervous about it. Clearly, Florida State's going to have the better talent on the field. They should win. They'll be favored to win. But it kind of makes me nervous. Um, I would say, I don't, if you, I don't know if you see, Vegas' win total for Florida State is seven and a half. If, if Willie Taggart doesn't get eight wins, he's probably going to be out at Florida State. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think it's right. I think it would be a rash decision. I'm just giving you the reality of the situation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, what? Well, I mean, it's just, it would, it would, it would be a mistake probably because it would step Florida State back. But here's what I do like about it. Um, I think you kind of tore the bandaid off with Florida State, with Willie Taggart last year. Like it was bad. Um, but kind of you reset the expectation for this season, which I think is a good thing. Last year, him coming in, there were these massive expectations. Believe it or not, there were some people, and I don't want to call them out and put them on the spot that had Florida State going to the playoff, you know, like contending. And I'm like, oh, I don't know about this. This is a little shady. Like, they're not that good. Uh, and then, of course, they come out with this massive disaster that last season was. Um, now that the, the expectation has been reset, I think it allows Willie Taggart to do some things. He can, he can kind of clear out. He's another year removed from Jimbo, but also from Jimbo Fisher's players. Like, there's another the class is gone because he is a different coach. He does have a different – uh, discipline that he's asking those players to ascribe to. And some of that has to do with academically, getting those guys to go to class, 
that some guys didn't love. He brings in Kendall Briars, Kendall Bryles, right. uh, which I think is going to be the biggest um, addition to this staff. Let him run the offense. I think it can help the offensive line by scheme. You're going to get the ball out quicker. You're going to stretch the field vertically. It should bring some firepower. And the defense wasn't that far off last year. They just were asked to do so much because the offense was so bad. So I think you could look at eight games and say, all right, that's a real, that's a good goal to set. Nine games is a really, really solid season. And 10 games to me would be a shock. 10, 10 wins to me would be a shock. I think eight or nine is more realistic expectation. And anything less than that, I think you're talking about Willie Taggart clawing for his job at the end of the season. Yeah, still trying to see if Jordan Travis gets gets eligible. In the meantime, it's James Blackman, a quarterback. Gonna be gonna be fascinating to see. You you can uh, listen to Danny Cannell along with my man Rajah Bell off the bench with Rajah Bell, which you can also watch on CBS Sports HQ every day live at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. DK, thanks so much for joining us, man. Look forward to catching up very soon. You got it, Doug, man. Take it easy. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Ah, millennials, the new generation that has hit the workforce and they continue to push the envelope. And uh, if you know them... You appreciate them. If you're one of them, you, I guess, appreciate how we talk about you. But uh, we also sometimes in your, by your definition, by your definition, we, um, we make fun of you or we don't understand you or we're obtuse to your new way of thinking. Right. You know, it's interesting I have friends who own businesses and they all have some of the exact same themes in terms of millennials that they hire, right? You can go online and, and, and look up, you know, the top five things millennials want at work, you know, uh, they want flexible work arrangements, right? Everybody, you can work from anywhere now. They're willing to move, but they also don't feel the need to if you don't tell them you need to because I can work from Starbucks. Um, They want personal one-on-one time with their manager. Why do you think they want that? Well, they want to be heard. They also want to know why. Why? Why? Why am I doing this? Most importantly, they want fast career progression. I know this. I have several friends who own businesses and they're like, they're great. They come in, they dream big, they work hard, they're smart. Many of them are worldly and two months in, they want to raise and that ain't the way it works. And then they say, all right, if not, I will leave. And they also want a social work environment. They want to work in groups. Melvin Gordon said he gave some teammates the heads up that he'd threaten to hold out if he didn't get a new deal. They're all behind me. They all got my back. They all told me, you know what? We don't really speak on contracts, but you just go and do what's best for your family. And I'm glad I got that support from them. See, he wants the social, he wants the social environment of a bunch of, he called. So he got not to give them the heads up so that he got their approval. 
what Melvin Gordon did by putting it out there, and for the record, the contract um, back and forth with the with the Chargers is about three weeks old. It was two weeks after he was offered a deal and he rebuffed the deal that it leaked out when most everyone in the NFL was on vacation before they had to report to camp later on this week. A lot of running backs have reached out to me just saying, go out and get what you deserve. A lot of starters, a lot, a lot of backs. Listen, millennials are the next generation in the workforce. They do know a lot. They have a lot of knowledge both in their brain and at their fingertips. They've been, they've all been raised during the generation of the internet. And so knowledge is right there. They don't have to walk over to the Encyclopedia Britannica or watch some film on it or a documentary on it. And they've done some amazing things. I don't know how you feel about the whales at SeaWorld, but if not for the documentary, was it Blackwater? We'd still celebrate Shamu. And now we do not. There's some good and there's some bad to that. But I, I say this to my kids and I'll say it to Melvin Gordon and to any other running back. It's all the same, millennials. Wake up every morning and understand life's not fair. And no one owes you anything. Right? Life's not fair. And no one owes you anything. So I just, I feel like it, of course it's not fair that they change the rules and that people have found a way to, and that other running backs will take a small amount of money and play fewer snaps just to survive themselves. But they will. And because you're replaceable, maybe not by one guy, but maybe by three guys. You know, Melvin Gordon doesn't want to get $10 million to be running back of the Chargers. Well, guess what? Between Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson, they can find another. They'll they'll pay $6 million for three backs and then have that other four to spread around on somebody else. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts 
I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.